think the thing that gives me the most hope is um, is how individual communities are saying, what can we do? We have so many things that are out of our control, federal policy, global policy. As individuals living in our communities, we can't do a darn thing about that. To see community members say, how can we make our little part of the world work better for us and work better for the planet? And here we are, we're going to invest our time and our energy and our social commitment to that. That gives me great hope. Being connected to other people in community, working towards a solution is a healthy thing. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Well, we talk to people and companies, we talk to farmers, uh, we talk to people that are concerned about sustainable food systems. Some of us, like myself, mostly talk about it. We're not in the action game, except maybe presenting people that are in the action side of it. And I have somebody that's on the action side today, and it's Dr. Leslie Lytle. Uh, Leslie, welcome to Farm to Table Talk. Thank you. Nice, nice to be with you. So I started this whole thing out, Leslie, as uh, identifying you as one of those doggone do-gooders that are <laughs> uh, trying to impact the planet. And, you know, I think people sometimes listen to these things and say, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? Do people just do something that's the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do? You're involved with the Danone Institute of North America on Sustainable Food Systems and that's a mouthful right there. So explain yeah. the Institute, and then we'll talk about what you're trying to do with food systems and some of the projects that you've got coming up and that you've been involved with. That sounds great. So the Danone Institute of North America is a 501c3 from the Danone Food Company. Um, we've been around as a 501c3 for decades. And for a very, uh, we, we are made up of four academicians and four um, uh, company folk make up the, the board. Mm -hmm. um, and for many, many years, our emphasis um, on the Institute were leadership programs. Um, we got, we get a direct uh, a grant from the, from the Danone company. And with that money, we were doing a lot of nutrition leadership programs, both for early career people as well as for mid-career people. Um, for a while, I even ran a leadership program for school superintendents um, with the idea being that um, um, leadership at a school could impact the kinds of foods that were available in the school. And we were chugging along just fine um, and then the Danone Food Company um, shifted its emphasis, uh, emphasis a bit and became um, one of the largest B corporations in the world and said, we're really shifting our, our mission. And we are really now interested in both the health of people as well as the health of the planet. And so uh, the Danone Institute of North America we need to re we need to relook at your mission and 
and that that was that that's where we started off about five years ago that's amazing you know i'd like to go back and be a fly on the wall in some of those early board meetings because at some stage these large corporations and it's a large corporation it's got a range of food products i always think of yogurt but i know there's much more than that uh, but there's a range of really outstanding nutritious products that they're producing but i think of a job of the board members historically has been return value to stockholders and and as a person that owns some stock you think well i'm in favor of that but somewhere in the last five ten years there are more of them that would step up and say there's more to it than this yes we want to make money yes we want to make money for our stockholders and it's good for you know, good for the people that work here, good for people that are buying the products because we can keep investing in those products. But that isn't mutually exclusive. Um, wouldn't you like to see the light go off in those conversations? So when they determine that, you know, you can do more than just succeed, but you can also do good. Absolutely. And, you know, for, I, I've, been, I've been on um, either the board or for a while we had a scientific advisory committee. Uh, with the Dannon Institute. I've been on that for going on 20 years. And honestly, Roger, from the very beginning, I saw a commitment to the greater good <laughs> in mm -hmm. the work that the Dannon Food Company was doing. And so when they came to the board and said, we need to shift our mission because we really want to pay attention to sustainability issues. Honestly, I wasn't that surprised. And I thought, isn't that cool? Because it is, it does show that it's not just about selling yogurt or selling products, but the recognition that the health of the planet and the health of people are uh, inextricably um, um, linked and combined. And they wanted to do good on both accounts. You know, we have to stop and recognize there are some people who are just cynical by nature and suspicious that uh, the only reason anybody does something is for profit and ultimately it's you know here things like greenwashing um i don't have a problem with that because i see good companies that are stepping up and stepping up to do the right thing and i'm all for it and i'm also all for they're getting credit for it too i don't have any problem with that if if a company's trying to do the right thing and uh, share that information and i for one um, if I have to choose between a couple of different products and one of the products is a company that I know that they're taking bold steps and doing something that's good for the world, um, I'll lean there. I'll lean to that product. They still have to have a really great product, taste good, nutritious and so forth. But I'll certainly lean towards the one that I think is doing something like like you're talking about. Yeah. So so I can see how you can feel uh, committed to that process and that you didn't even go through a skeptical stage because you've seen them in other, in other areas as well. Yeah. But you, and then you have to start building that portfolio. What is it that you what is it that you work on? What are the kinds of, of programs that you're fostering? Yeah. So again, this so this was about five years ago. The 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 uh, nonprofit board was was given a task of you need to repivot. You need to change your mission from nutrition leadership to something that has to do with food sustainability, the health of the planet, the health of people. Now, the the, the fortunate thing is I'm, I'm a public health person. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this idea of, of 
figuring out how we work in community to improve population health is is where my head has been for you know for the for decades. So one of the um, ideas that we started discussing as a board was about using um, the company money for that that's that is allocated to the Danone Institute of North America and creating a set creating a um a an opportunity for communities to um apply for small grants uh very local transdisciplinary ideas that had something to do with improving food sustainability in their community mm-hmm. um the idea is, was that um that that while um, the problems of food sustainability are huge and very complicated, you know, my belief and the belief of of the rest of the board was that communities have great insights into what might make their communities healthier. Mm -hmm. If we could provide some funding for them to talk with other people in their community, come up with an idea, um, we would provide some money to operationalize that idea, as well as offer some training about how they work together as a team, how they can amplify their 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 messages, um, how they would evaluate their program. That we thought that that would be really good use of the company's money, and luckily um, we got strong support um, for that initiative. And um, began funding grants, um, I want to say, in 20, 2019, right, mm-hmm. be- right before the pandemic. Well, you say that it's a small amount to work with, but still, if you're whatever number that you get these projects going, I assume the ones that are working well, you spread the word and hopefully other areas will take it on themselves, even though they weren't initially funded to do this. Exactly. So what when we um, when we grant uh, um, uh, when we fund a project, we are looking for a project that we think is innovative and that will spark um, some some real interest in the community that can then be amplified to other communities as mm-hmm. ideas about this worked here, this might work where, where you are as well. So we, when we began, we started funding at about a level of, I think, $25,000. We're now up to 50000 And we started with a one-year grant, and we're now up to two years. Um, in the past uh, two um, two iterations of this funding mechanisms, um, we have funded um, n- a n- total of nine grants. And to your point, Roger, one of our projects took that that kernel of funding, that twenty five thousand um, dollars, and used that to amplify what they were doing in their community and to get other other people to invest in their projects. So so not only is it this idea that it's a spark of 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 innovation but also a way to get a community group a foot with foot in foot in with other funders. What would be an example? Could you pick out a 
pick out yeah. a project and yeah, and- I, yeah. So that example is is a great example. Um, this was this is a, gr- a group in um, San Diego. It's called Project New Village, and it is an, a very urban area in San Diego, um, um, primarily um, um, black community. And um, the Diane Moss, who's the head of this project, New New Village, had this idea that we have empty lots in this area. We could produce some food here, and in doing so, we could help um, people in our community not only produce foods for themselves that that would be healthy, but also learn a little bit about urban farming. And actually start turning that into a small business. Mm-hmm. So her her money from the Danone Institute of North America went to developing those partnerships and getting parcels of land and figuring out how to train people in some basic urban gardening. And now she has an incredible operation um, where she's got more people involved. She has refrigerated trucks that can get the produce out to other people in the area. So that's that's one example um, of just some really uh, inspiring work that uh, that started with a very small seed grant. Well, that sounds great, and and there are programs that I've identified before. The Extension Service certainly here in California is rolling out large yeah. scale. And and you see it now. I'm seeing it, but people happening helping all over the United States, and it's it's really heartening to see that a company like yours is investing in these directions too to get communities to help themselves. But I'm I'm wondering, do you find ways that you're able to cooperate with Extension Service in in the various states? Because some of them, this is a high priority for them as well. Yeah, funny that you mentioned that because our last set of funding actually. Um, was with the Oregon Extension Service. <laughs> so yeah. we, we, had, we funded a grant with Oregon Extension, um, and one of their goals was to, um, um, to increase the use of farmers markets mm-hmm. um, um, and using extension agents as community health workers to help people who might not, might not find their way to a, a farmers market get there. And help them figure out how to use SNAP benefits to um, make the best use of their of their dollars at a farmer's market. So we see, I mean, that that's for us, it's a really great um, connection with extension because extension very much reaches the, the, the most vulnerable populations. And those are really our target for, for many of our grants. You know, one of the things I think of as you're explaining this is that at the at the Danone organization, Danon and other products, um, you got farmers. I mean, you got cows. You got farmers that uh, you again. You have a lot of products other than just yogurt in the company. But yogurt is something that comes to mind for me. A really important, healthy product. But it's one that is harder to have um, direct involvement. Mm-hmm. So you know, you can grow produce. And you can have a local hub and you can have a community that is producing it. Or you might even be able to have some livestock and have local processing plants that are being created. Yeah. But this takes a this takes a leap, it seems, 
from your perspective, because it's not something that those farmers that are producing the dairy products that produce the yogurt that gets into products, they don't go directly into a community and sold at a farmer's market, Uh, you know, which, which, uh, I don't know. I'm just uh, help me with that yeah. one. I'm just trying yeah. trying to because yeah. it's kind of so, tricky. You know, our, our, the, the the institute's focus has has never been specifically on any of Dannon's products, and we, and we've been very very clear about our role is around healthy food in general. Um, at the on the other hand, um, sustainable agricultural systems is, yep. is something that we're really interested in. So we do have one of our grantees from Canada is looking at um, the carbon footprint mm-hmm. of all kinds of foods as they go through food shelves, which is which has been really, really interesting because as you probably know, in the last several years, the use of food shelves and food pantries mm-hmm. has skyrocketed both in Canada and in the United States. And so our our our, our colleagues, um, in in um, out of um, uh, out of Manitoba, are looking at trying to calculate the carbon footprint of foods as they pass through um, um, food pantries and food shelves, and then wow. the nutritional value of what gets to individuals. You know, it's so interesting to see this developing all over the place. And you spend time now, I think, in both North Carolina and California. Uh, and we've got a lot of listeners for Farm to Table Talk in North Carolina, in yeah. California, in Canada. Um, and and I hear back from them. And there are programs like this that are being explored. It's It's interesting to me because it's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, it's you work in a community and it's not just a top down like here is a a federal program of some sort. It has to be done exactly this way. There's always this collaboration that's taking place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the, our real emphasis is the idea that there are there are innovative local solutions. And by facilitating people in community to work together to have the time and some funds to figure out local solutions that it's really, it's a bottom up <laughs> um, rather than a top down approach, um, which again, for me in public health, uh, you know, it ma- makes, makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I think we should pause for a second and explain how people could find out about this. If there's somebody sure. listening to this and they would like to be able to get more information or see if this is something that yeah. could work, that they could get engaged in their community, how did they find out? Yeah, so right now we have our third um, um, our third request for proposals available for the Sustainable Food Systems Initiative. Um, and you can find that on um, www.dananinstitute.org. And this time around, we will be funding five proposals. Mm. The other thing that is, is important to know is that we are looking for, we look for transdisciplinary teams. And by that, I mean, we are looking for, um, um, uh, we're looking to assemble different types of people in a community. So while we 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 ask that there is somebody from a university on your 
on the team. Um, and that's both for expertise and evaluation, but also for making the distribution of the funds a little easier. You know, we're also saying we need people from nonprofits. We need people from the uh, local health department, could be churches, uh, could be um, could be schools. So we're really looking to bring a different group of people together from a community that are interested in figuring out how to, how to tackle this problem. Um, the other thing that we do, which is a requirement for the grant, is that we bring all the teams to training in Boulder, Colorado, and we're doing that the, the uh, first week in October. And at that training, we not only um, have some um, some information shared about best practices, but it's really a great opportunity for each team to have time to sit with each other for four days and talk through how are we going to do this, who else needs to be involved, to talk to other teams and learn from what they're doing in their communities. And then we also offer a half-day communications training where we use the Dan and Food Company and their communications experts to train our teams on how to amplify their message. So um, um, we're really looking forward to having um, a lot of applications and um, representing lots of different kinds of projects across the country and across Canada. And um, again, what those that's open until uh, June 14th. I hope you have podcast on that list for amplifying messages. Great. Thank you. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm, we're yeah. going to try to amplify, but, but I, I'm just curious when you, when you do that, that communications job is, is, is tricky. And I'm glad to hear that you've got that special attention to it because you've got people with um, you know, have good intentions and they see a need and maybe they've accomplished the funding, but how they get the support and how they persuade others that it's worth participating, um, that's not easy. No. And amplification is really something that we're looking for. Yeah. You know, again, we, we want to fund innovative projects, but we want those innovative projects to be sparks for change in other communities. And the only way to do that is to help people figure out how do they how do they get their message out? Well, let's go back on this being a spark for change because you end up being able to work for this nonprofit and you're being a spark for change, but you haven't always done this. Why don't you share with me what's your journey? How did you get into this? What did you train for? And then yeah. what found you in this kind of work? <laughs> so um I initially trained, I thought I was going to be a hospital dietitian, Roger. Mm -hmm. And I did a dietetic internship through Penn State, had fabulous nutrition training. And after, I always say, after about 37 minutes in a hospital, I said, I don't want to work in a hospital. No. But I was passionate about the idea that the food that we eat has so much to do with how healthy we are. Um, so I, uh, through, uh, through twists and turns, um, I ended up getting a PhD in health behavior because I realized that as a nutritionist, um, the nutrition science field was teaching me lots of what I needed to know about nutrients and their relationship to cardiovascular disease. But the piece that I was really interested in is how do we get people to eat healthy foods? Mm -hmm. So that, that got me into public health. 
and um, sp- doing a lot of large NIH studies where we were uh, working in schools, working in communities, and doing more than just in educating people about what's healthy, but actually trying to positively impact their environments so that the healthy choice was the easy choice. So this passion for wanting people to naturally turn to eating healthy foods as a way of life and a lifestyle is something that I've been interested in for a very, very long time. So, you know, I've never worked directly with um, environmental issues, but, you know, as, as a person who's paying attention, you know, the link between um, what we eat and our planetary health to me was a no brainer, <laughs> uh, just an absolute no brainer. And so um, I saw this as a real opportunity for me really to learn more about how that connection between um, um, global planetary health, how that can fit into a healthy ecological system um, that it's nutritionally sound for populations as well. You know, global planetary health is a is a long term challenging objective to to get it to get accomplished. But the kind of programs that you're in right now, and what you see others, like I mentioned, Extension and others are are working on trying to programs and trying to empower local communities. What is it that gives you the most optimism about what might happen in the short term, not just you know by 2030, but next four or five years? What what might seem like progress to you? I think the thing that gives me the most hope is. Uh, um, is how individual communities are saying, what can we do? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we have so many things that are out of our control. <laughs> Federal policy, global policy, as individuals living in our communities, we can't do a darn thing about that. Right. But to see community members say, how can we make our little part of the world work better for us and work better for the planet. And here we are, we're going to, we're going to invest our time and our energy and our social commitment to that. That gives me, that gives me great hope. Um, And it gives you something positive to, to hold on to. At the same time, I think we're hearing more and more that, um, that being connected to other people in community working towards a solution is a healthy thing. Boy, it's I am not only for our planet, but it's healthy for our, our mental health. It's healthy for our communities. So I also see us fostering that through these community-based transdisciplinary grants. Boy, I'm with you a hundred percent. I I get hope from that as well. And I'm getting inspired from lots of conversations just like ours today. Of someone like yourself that's uh, committed to helping, working with people, an organization that's supporting this sort of thing, it gives me optimism, too, for the next several years. So uh, I want to thank you again. It's great hearing this story. Thanks for being on Farm to Table Talk. Thank you so much. It was delightful to be with you. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 